President Trump dumps the Eagles before they could dump him, disinviting the NFL team from the White House. Plus, Paul Manafort's house arrest could end after Bob Mueller accuses him of witness tampering. And remembering Bobby Kennedy, 50 years after his assassination. This is the State of America Tonight. He's disinviting the, the NFL Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles from coming to the White House. When you go down and take a knee, you're disrespecting our flag and you're disrespecting our country. Prosecutors want a judge to consider revoking Paul Manafort's bail for what they say were multiple attempts to get witnesses to lie in his case. Obviously, this is a pattern of behavior by Mr. Manafort. It's a sign that Manafort is willing to try anything, do anything, and he's facing some serious time. Bolton now is cut out of the process on North Korea. Ambassador Bolton's comment about Libya was not helpful at all. Hello, everyone. I'm John Avalon, in for Kate Baldwin, live in New York. To our viewers watching around the world, this is the State of America Tonight. Now, How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's one of the best-selling books of all time. But it's advice that President Trump seems to apply selectively. He's not even trying to win over new friends, but rather to influence the national conversation by playing to his base. Once again, slamming his old foe, the NFL. Trump rolled up and put away the red carpet for the Philadelphia Eagles, saying the Super Bowl champs just aren't welcome at the White House anymore. The reason? Well, the president claims it's because of NFL player protests during the national anthem. Listen to the president explain his point of view last October. When you go down and take a knee or any other way, you're sitting, essentially, for our great national anthem. You're disrespecting our flag and you're disrespecting our country. Now, we're going to pause here for a timeout and a quick reality check. Because, in fact, no member of the Philadelphia Eagles took a knee during last season. But the president obviously um, does not uh, agree with the tactics of some players that are that have been taken a knee. But I think it's ironic to note uh, that none of the Philadelphia Eagles in during the season last year uh, had taken a knee. You had some guys raise a fist, but none of those guys take had taken a knee. But facts be damned, the show must go on in Trump land. And soon at the White House, a very different ceremony, billed by the president as the Celebration of America, will take place in half hour's time. For one long-term sports columnist, the reluctance of many Eagles players to attend wasn't exactly surprising. If you call them SOBs in September... They, they, the players, their peers, whatever, their colleagues, you probably shouldn't be surprised that they don't want to show up at your house in June. And CNN has learned that behind the scenes, the president's actions may have been motivated by something other than an anthem dispute. When President Trump was informed yesterday that very few players were going to be attending, some staffers in the White House heard uh, as many as 10, some heard as few as just four players. The president was infuriated and decided to uninvite the team from coming to the White House for that celebration today. Philadelphia Mayor Jim Kenney, who blasted the president as, quote, a fragile egomaniac, is vigorously defending his hometown heroes. I stand when the anthem is played with my hand over my heart because I'm a privileged white male. Uh, There are other people in this country whose the issue of this this country has affected them differently, and they have a right to express their discontent 
They have a right to express their, 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 the fact that they are protesting against certain things, and no one has a right to take that away. I'm guessing the mayor will soon be joining the Eagles on the White House persona non grata list. Now, for Paul Manafort, the temptation to influence people could soon land him back in jail. Now, you'll recall that the former Trump campaign manager, known for starting a lobbying firm with Roger Stone and lobbying leaders from the Ukraine to the Philippines, was previously indicted for money laundering and lying to authorities. Now, those charges earned him a $10 million bail and house arrest. And now Robert Mueller's team says Manafort illegally contacted two people tied to his lobbying work, attempting to get them to lie for him in court. This is frowned upon. And now Mueller wants Manafort's house arrest to end, and not in a good way. If you tamper with a witness, you are essentially trying to get somebody else to give false testimony and mislead investigators, mislead prosecutors, and mislead the court, all of which are offenses against the American people. It's particularly egregious when you already have somebody who, by the grace of the court, is allowed not to remain in jail pending the trial in July and one coming in September. A federal judge has ordered Manafort to respond to the special counsel's claims by this Friday. And then next Friday, that judge will hold a hearing where two of the witnesses Manafort is accused of attempting to persuade could be called to testify. The top Democrat on the House Intel Committee tells CNN that Manafort's actions are, in his words, desperate. The special counsel team is not going to do this unless they have pretty darn ironclad evidence that Manafort is trying to essentially corrupt or co-opt uh, these witnesses. So it's a big development, and, um, and I think... Uh, a sign that Manafort is willing to try anything, do anything, uh, and he's facing some serious time. Now, this news seemed to have inspired this tweet from the president today. Quote, the Russian wit hunt hoax continues all because Jeff Sessions didn't tell me he was going to recuse himself. I would have quickly picked someone else. So much time and money wasted, so many lives ruined, and Sessions knew better than most that there was no collusion. Now, that may just have given more ammunition to the special counsel probe. CNN Justice correspondent Evan Perez explains. You've got to think that people at the special counsel's office, Poppy, this morning are printing out that tweet because, you know, they're looking into whether or not the president had, uh, had any intention to obstruct this investigation uh, when he repeatedly asked Je uh, Jeff Sessions to unrecuse himself. And this tweet is going to be in Exhibit A there uh, as they try to prove that case. But wait, there's more. It seems that Trump's national security advisor and secretary of state are battling over who will be able to best influence their boss. An escalating feud has erupted between John Bolton and Mike Pompeo. Now, this comes as the meet and greet between President Trump and North Korea's Kim Jong-un is now just a week away. Not exactly the best time to have your senior staff not getting along. Joining me now with more on this CNN exclusive is CNN senior diplomatic correspondent Michelle Kaczynski. Michelle, I thought the new team was all on the same Trump page. What's going yeah, on? Yeah, this doesn't seem to happen, right? Well, well, and I think this has been a question for a long time. When Bolton came in as national security advisor with his well-known strong views, he started immediately making changes. Um, you know, people looked at this and wondered, well, how is this going to work? Is How much thunder is he going to take from the new secretary of state, Mike Pompeo? How are they going to get along? But they do have similar, you could easily, I think, say hawkish views right. on North Korea, on Iran, and the list goes on. So it seemed like this was all kind of, you know, yeah, the new team, cohesive, right? 
But then things started to fall apart over this North Korea issue when Bolton seems to have gone somewhat at least rogue and used the Libya model, which we've been hearing a lot about. That right. is saying that, you know, well, look, look what happened with Libya. It was a, it was a success. It was a rapid denuclearization, which is what we want to see for North Korea. Well, the North Koreans don't see it that way because they tend to focus on the end game for Muammar Gaddafi, which was being yeah. killed, albeit years later from after denuclearization, by rebels that were supported by the U.S. So North Korea hates this model. Everybody knows that they hate reference to it. Everybody knows that it infuriates them. So there all this tension happened over Bolton going out there and putting it on TV. Right that we see this like the Libya model. So apparently this infuriated Mike Pompeo enough that they exchanged words, that they had this heated conversation in the White House over A blow-up in the White House, and right now, round one to Pompeo, it looks like Bolton's been benched, right? Yeah. one of my sources says that Bolton, at least for now, at least for this issue, has been cut out of the process. And that's shocking to see. Especially since the, the way Bolton swept in and kind of tried to make this all his own, didn't quite work, at least for now. At least for now. Stay tuned. Stay Michelle tuned. Kaczynski, thank you very much. And finally, we want to remind you that it was a week ago today when a group of Harvard researchers made a stunning claim that the death toll in Puerto Rico following Hurricane Marina was a staggering 70 times higher than initially reported by the government. The following day, the White House gave this rather tepid response. The president takes the situation in Puerto Rico extremely seriously, and the administration has been monitoring that from the beginning. We've been supportive of Governor Rosello's efforts to ensure full accounting and transparency, and those who have suffered from this tragedy deserve nothing less than that. We are still waiting on an official statement or comment from the president. We are also still waiting for Congress to hold a hearing on the death toll discrepancy, though it should be said that 14 Democrats on the House Committee on Natural Resources are calling for exactly that. Because if ever an investigation was needed, it's when we need to understand how the government was so off base with the death toll after Hurricane Maria, a death toll that appears about the same as 9-11 and Hurricane Katrina combined. We're not going to be happy if there are 1,500 versus 6,000. One person that died is one person that died, and if they died of neglect and because governments didn't do what they were supposed to do, uh, then people should be held accountable for so. Now, all of this, as the Puerto Rico Electric Power Authority says, some 11,000 people on the island are still without power. And a new hurricane season is now underway. Time for a quick break, but when we come back, the president's lawyer tries to explain why the Trump team says one thing one day and something completely different the next. He says it's a mistake. Others say it's a lie. The panel weighs in next. There is apparently a thin line between a lie and a mistake. Rudy Giuliani, one of Donald Trump's lawyers, is now trying to explain an incorrect statement by the White House as a mistake, a big misunderstanding. But will folks investigating Donald Trump agree? Well, let's put that to the panel. We've got Republican strategist Bruce Haynes, managing director of Sard Verbini and Company. Keith Boykin, CNN political commentator and former Clinton White House aide. Steve Rogers, not Captain America, a member of Donald Trump's campaign advisory board, and a former colleague of mine, the award-winning Aaron Gloria Ryan, contributing editor for The Daily Beast. Hello, all. Hi. All right, guys. So we've got Rudy Giuliani last night talking to Chris Cuomo, saying that basically the fact that now the White House lawyers are admitting that the president dictated this statement 
was all a big misunderstanding. It wasn't nefarious at all. Bruce, do you think that's even remotely credible as a Republican coming from this administration? They said it was a mistake themselves. I mean, Ru- Rudy Giuliani's purpose right now is to fight the battle of public opinion, mm-hmm. the credibility of the White House. There's just a series of mistakes and confusion. They can't seem to get their facts straight in the same place. Um, they're losing that battle, in my view. Well, and I mean, they've got to straighten it out. It. These are, this is unforced errors, though. I mean, Absolutely. Keith, Keith this, this seems to me it's the threes company defense. It's all a big misunderstanding. Right. But, but they repeatedly said from the White House podium, he did not dictate. The lawyer went on air, said they did not dictate. Any reports to the contrary are fake news. And then suddenly the lawyers say, hey, guess what? He dictated it. Yeah. Uh, it, it the, the White House has strained credibility for quite some time on this issue, and Rudy Giuliani isn't helping, along with the line that the president can shoot James Comey and, and not be indicted for it, and the president saying he's pardoning himself, he could pardon himself. This is a, a laughable, preposterous situation that even Richard Nixon could not have imagined. Nixon couldn't have pardoned himself. He thought about it, but didn't do his, it. His legal counsel said there wasn't a it's, right to do that. Exactly. But now, Steve, the president is asserting, that opinion aside, that he has an absolute right to pardon himself, though also he did nothing wrong. Now, let's just keep those two points in tension and ignore that for a second. Do you think, as a Trump supporter, that the president has an absolute right to pardon himself? And if so... Where does it say that in the Constitution? Okay. Do I think? Yes. Based on Article 2, Section 2 of the Constitution. He has the right to pardon in all cases except Except impeachment. impeachment. Now, let's build that out further. However, emoluments clause is there so presidents can't enrich himself from the office. If that was there and the president could pardon himself, they wouldn't have written it in the Constitution. It makes no sense to have somebody sit in judgment on themselves. I would say this, that in the case of Donald Trump, he has no reason to even uh, go there with a pardon. He's done nothing wrong. You're not going to see the president indicted. You're going to see the president uh, pretty much exonerated of all these things that people are speculating about. We haven't seen any evidence whatsoever about collusion. I None. mean, <laughs> but not, not, only, not only Steve Nostradamus, but we certainly have seen indictments and charges out of the Mueller probe even to date as it goes forward. Aaron, one point people have pointed to is that, look, Republicans, when it was Ken Starr and Bill Clinton, We're saying, oh, you know, president gets subpoenaed. He absolutely has to be called on the carpet. Rudy Giuliani made that point in 1998. Um, Bill Clinton seems to be coming up a lot in the news. You wrote a blistering hot fire column uh, condemning him for his inability to answer forthrightly a question he's had 25 years to prepare for. Mm -hmm. Did you apologize to Monica Lewinsky? What'd you say? Right. Well, he didn't apologize to Monica Lewinsky. He said that he apologized to the American people. And then he he played this kind of classic... uh, uh, poor me card, where first he pointed out that he didn't get off clean. Nobody assumed that he got off clean. Um, and then he said he was in debt when he got out of the White House. And then he said, but what about all the women I hired and didn't harass, which is such a <laughs> crazy thing to say. And as a woman and as a progressive and as a Democrat, that was really dis- disappointing to me because we're trying to align ourselves uh, with women and with women's issues. And if we want to be a party that will stand up for women, then we need to actually take an honest assessment of what Bill Clinton does and doesn't get. And what he doesn't get is that he needs to apologize to Monica Lewinsky. He needs to reach out to her personally. He hasn't done it, and he, he doesn't get it. All right, Aaron Glory Ryan, stick around, panel. You can't quit. You're fired. President Trump disinvites the Super Bowl champions after getting wind of the attendee list. And then he throws the national anthem into the mix. Our panel's back next.
just get involved, fight for your seat at the table. Better yet, fight for a seat at the head of the table. Donald J. Trump. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That was Barack Obama. That was a graduating high school senior pulling a bit of a switch in, uh, switcheroo. He figured his Kentucky audience wouldn't take too kindly to a Barack Obama quote, so he supplied Donald Trump's name instead. Now, this seems to fit right into a world where facts are invented and the president has, shall we say, a rocky relationship with the truth. Case in point, President Trump says he disinvited the Philadelphia Eagles due to their disrespect for the national anthem, even though no players took a knee last season. Now the White House says they were disinvited because the Eagles pulled a, quote, political stunt by committing to show up and then only sending a few players to apparently embarrass the president. Let's get back to the panel. Uh, Keith, is this just the president returning to his classic playbook? Distract, deflect, culture wars more comforting than getting embarrassed in your home field? Yeah, of course. He knew he was going to get embarrassed because only 10 or fewer players are going to show up. Uh, 70% of the NFL is black. He made a statement last fall. He said that they were SOBs. And um, people took that to heart. Why would you want to go to someone's house after that person called you and your friends SOBs? So, of course, they didn't show up. And then I heard just today LeBron James said that whoever wins the NBA series will not be showing up to the White House as well. Uh, Donald Trump has created division in America, racial division. He's unfortunately divided America on, in the line of sports, too, something that's supposed to unite us. I mean, seriously, Bruce, get sports out of our, politics out of our sports. I mean, look, you know, I get Popovich and Kerr have not been cheerleaders for Trump, but the NFL, at least the owners and the fan base is deeply in favor of Trump. Is he cutting off his nose to spice his face in a pit of personal pique? Well, politically, he may be winning with the audience he cares about, which is those people culturally that he's activated, that have come to support him, that helped put him in the White House. But I think, writ large, the American people are looking for a way to de-escalate this. Who mm-hmm. can rise above this and be respectful? I think it might have been nice if the Eagles just would have made an announcement, like LeBron did, that, hey, we're not coming. You, everyone understands the reasons why, and we'd like to keep a dialogue going forward about how to move forward as a country on this rather than this continual fighting. And yet that's usually the kind of leadership you look for from a president, Steve Rogers. The president's supposed to take the high road, but this president seems to enjoy getting down in the gutter. Is this beneath the office? And in the past, you had some players refuse to go to the White House to meet with President Obama. Did you think there were heroes then and, you know, you know, enemies of the American it's, people it's, now? It's blame President Trump for everything that goes wrong around the world. Here's my point. No, let's put things in Only perspective. The NFL owners yes. and the NFL players created this fiasco. They've taken the NFL brand, which we all want, to, which I adored, okay, and they've turned it into a political football, no pun intended. Well, and we're going to say you assume that. that. <laughs> but, as, but as Bruce said, the American people want to watch football. You want to protest, do it outside the stadiums, but come and let's watch sports. Uh, so I don't blame you're, the president you're, you're, for this. Your argument is and not the built stay out on of strong foundations. The I, president's escalating this, Aaron. Yeah, he's, he escalated it, and I think it's because it works for him. It gets his base riled up. That's what he's Remember, doing. This is, a winning, this is a winning t- thing for Donald Remember, Trump. You think that was nice to do, to, to have the team come as a team and then all of a sudden say, well, we're not going because we don't like this and that. They I think it was. I think it was fans. awesome. I think that awesome. they. I think it was awesome. I also. I also think that there are fans that showed up to see the Eagles, and I cannot imagine being an Eagles fan showing up to the White House to see the Eagles, and they're like, "Up, oh, Eagles right. are canceled. Here's a bunch of lame conservative celebrities instead." I, and also the fact that Donald Trump th- thinks that he can kind of take on the Philadelphia Eagles fans shows that he doesn't know very much about sports at all, because those people do not forgive and they do and, not. And, and, yet, and Pennsylvania is a swing state. Yes, the president's base is on the west side of the state, which is Steelers territory. 
territory. But I mean, isn't this really, I mean, can you really defend the president polarizing Super Bowl champions? Uh, He is not responsible for polarizing the Super Bowl champions. And when it comes to Pennsylvania, believe me, we're going to see an overwhelming number of people in that state elect him to office in 2020. Do you remember the time when President Obama said that the whoever won the NHL championship, whoever won the NFL championship, whoever won the NBA championship was a son of a bitch? No, no, Keith. But this is. But, but <laughs> and let that's me say this to Thank you. This is. This is. Listen, that's, that's all I have is, to say. This is so who Trump, really okay? started? The president he, of the United States, with all the awesome nah, power he, that comes behind that, is denouncing professional athletes for exercising their First Amendment constitutional rights. That is divisive. These professional the athletes problem. are making millions and millions of dollars, and they the still have the right to free great, speech, just he, as every he, other free speech. Free speech, but off the field. Keith, oh, that's all I'm saying. And the president does not get to decide that. We do need someone to rise above and traditionally that person has been the commander-in-chief apparently not this one thank you all very much for an enlightening conversation i didn't need my captain america shield today thank you well you know we'll supply it next time and one serious final note before we go it was 50 years ago today that senator robert f kennedy was assassinated in los angeles after winning the california primary a half century later he still haunts american politics as a symbol of what might have been If he had lived, American history might have been very different. Quite possibly, no President Richard Nixon, and therefore no Watergate. Less cynicism, less division. RFK symbolized far more than a Kennedy restoration. He was a heroic figure because of his growth in suffering, channeling the pain of his brother's assassination into compassion for the downtrodden and forgotten. He was tough, a law and order liberal who could quote the Greek poet Aeschylus from memory while uniting poor blacks and whites and Hispanics alike. Perhaps most importantly, He believed that politics could be a noble profession. We have too little nobility, courage, and compassion in our politics today. Just listen to his words from a speech he gave in South Africa in 1966. Each time a man stands up for an ideal or acts to improve the lot of others or strikes out against injustice, he sends forth a tiny ripple of hope and crossing each other from a million different centers of energy and daring. Those ripples build a current which can sweep down the mightiest walls of oppression and resistance. Tiny ripples of hope. Fifty years after his death, the spirit of Robert F. Kennedy retains the power to inspire the better angels of our nature. And God knows we could use more of that right now. That's the State of America tonight. This is day 502 of President Trump's administration, and that means it is 154 days until the midterm elections. Check out our podcast, subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your favorite app, and we will see you back here tomorrow. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.